the frames. Music, movies, culture, and faith. Featuring your hosts, John Gibson and Joel Flores. Hey there, welcome to Between the Frames. I am your host, John Gibson, joined by the lovely, as always, Joel Flores. And uh, we are here to talk to you. Lovely, yeah, yeah. You know, hey, we've got to change it up once in a while, man. So. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, so we are here to talk to you about Between the Frames as we uh, kind of search for meaning and talk about faith in movies and culture and music. What's going on, Joel? Yeah, well, hey, I am really kind of adjusting to, I know it sounds glamorous, lake life for the summer. Uh, we <laughs> we are in between a home right now as we sold ours. Uh, it got sold right before the summer. And um, we were in build mode, John. We were, You know this. We were building. Oh, yeah. Uh, for months, we had been working towards this. And then our builder called it kaputs on us. And uh, so we ended up finding a home, though. And so we should be able to move in by the end of the summer. So, yeah, staying out at the lake, which is my mother-in-law's place. And it's really nice, but it's really kind of far from town. So it's been uh, been interesting. A little dance, if you will. Adjust, right? Yeah. Adjust. And, pivot, and adjust. Figure it out. But yeah. it's not the worst. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the, the housing market's like up there, but down, down around us, it doesn't People are putting things on the market, selling, getting multiple offers above asking, and houses are just moving. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's the same one day. Crazy. One day, two days kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. We were one of, we were one of five. We were, we were lucky to catch the home that we did. It's actually, it was just on the market one day. We were the last bid to go in. Um, we did swing higher, but it was within our in our range we're we're glad that it actually started at a lower point and we knew people were going to over you know we're going to bid above but it's a house that's worth it to bid above on especially mm-hmm. in the neighborhood the problem is, yeah. is when you bid on a home that's in a neighborhood that's either on decline or just you have got to do all this work and then you've paid over and now you got to put into it right so that's that's the hard part you oh, know yeah. what i'm saying you got to you got to oh, you yeah. got to update grandma's grandma's 70s uh i don't know living room and kitchen yeah oh my god <laughs> so we don't have to do that yeah, yeah. Well, hey, speaking uh, about times. Home, yeah, yeah, and speaking about homes, we are we're going to talk about a movie today that has kind of a big theme of of home within it. Um, a movie That's called right. Garden Garden State that came out in two thousand four. Actually, the the writing and directorial debut of Zach Braff, who. Um, I, you may you know, know him from, I, he, from Scrubs. You may know him from right. Scrubs if you've ever seen that show. But he's he's a great great writer, actor, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's funny because I had to I had to go on IMDb and look through what else I I should know him from, and and he's he doesn't have a ton of credits to be honest with you. Like I feel like he's the guy that. He's like John Krasinski. Like you, you, you feel like you see him everywhere, but you don't necessarily know what some of his creds are. Um, so I had to go back and and look again. But um, but I think this is probably one of the the things he's known for as well as as Scrubs because he's not been in a, a ton of like really well known stuff. So um, no, but he has like really. 
he draws well-known people into projects. I think he's a little more behind the scenes, to be honest, in, in yeah. Hollywood, and, and prefers probably probably writing, directing a bit more, and, and that's cool. Like I, I respect that. He has done uh, a lot of more indie type things that have gone to like Prime or or Netflix and that kind of stuff. And so, okay. but this movie on its own, this movie story on its own, is uh, is always been a favorite of Charlotte and myself. It's probably one of my, I don't know, out of the million movies that we've seen, it's in like my my top 20 30 for a few different reasons uh it's, it's quirky it's unique mm-hmm. um but it's also very like new england Jer- you know it takes place in new jersey when he comes yep. back from the west coast and um there's a number of things those oddball people in his community even the houses and like you know what i mean it's it's this oh, yeah yeah, there's a lot of great things I think we're going to dive in to talk about and some pretty hilarious. It's not it's not an aha laugh out loud movie. It's a, it's a, it's a dark humor with a with a really good story at the heart of it, right? So Yeah, I, anyway. and I think you know, it's funny if I were to classify it, I'd probably call it a coming of age film in some ways because Absolutely. That's, yeah, I mean, here he is in his 20s and he's he's experiencing Oh, he's experiencing loss. I mean, the the the, the bulk of the the movie it kind of centers around him returning, like like you said, Joel, from California, going back to his home state of Jersey to go because his mother's passed away, and so he goes right. to the funeral, and um, and I, I mean, surrounded by a pretty incredible cast here too. You you mentioned that before, but you know Natalie Portman's in this. Um, Ian Holm is in this. Peter Sarsgaard. I mean, those those three others are probably the big ones. So when you think about just the the big gun actors actresses that he he puts around him in this movie, it 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 ends up you know being really good. But um, you know, one of the things That's that right. I I wanted to we, we've talked maybe a little bit about this in past episodes, but. Um, to me, one of the things that I think makes this film is the soundtrack. Um, it's got Absolutely. like incredible music in it, and I, I mean, we connect on music all the time, Joel. But like, I used to be the guy who always got frustrated about like, I'm like, why do people buy movie soundtracks? You're just, it's basically compilations of of other things. And we talked about compilations back in High Fidelity when when you make you know, mixtapes and stuff like this. But, um, so, I mean, you know, Coldplay, The Shins, Nick Drake, Iron and Wine, Simon and Garfunkel. I, I mean, this is a pretty incredible soundtrack. And to me, I have grown more appreciative in the years of realizing that the music can make the movie in a big, big way. It, it does. Actually, um, just a sidebar real far, uh, sidebar real far. I don't even know why I just said that. Real fast. <laughs> I guess uh-huh. I was going for the rhyme. <laughs> just a sidebar real quick. Um, you know, the, the most recent uh, Cruella movie that Disney put out, which is actually quite good, one of the best parts is the soundtrack. It's this huh. great, great, great soundtrack. Um, and it's like a lot of soul-infused, you know, songs that you know, and it just fits the setting in that time that it's taking place, but it really drives the movie. 
And uh, anybody I've talked to, that's been one of their favorite parts is, oh, my gosh, the soundtrack. And so it does. It's one of those things that's really important to a story. You think about some iconic movies, whether it's a score, um, you know, whether it's a subtle score or something that just drives it emotionally like that. We, we all recognize that. But also an actual soundtrack of songs in the background. Um, and, and a lot of times... Um, in a lot of movies coming out, what I like about some of the independent shows or movies, which there are a lot more of because directors and writers have more of a direct access um, to put stuff out there, uh, they pull in a lot of these indie artists, too, that I've talked about a lot. And we discover lots of great music because, um, you know, I-, I love my whole collection of everything I have, but I- I'm still always learning and listening to new things. And I think my dad yeah. was always that way. And I keep pulling in. I, I don't stick in the, the the mainstream what the radio gives you 20. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Maybe there's one or two that come out of there. But really, like, there's such great stuff if you if you surf through Spotify or, or I, you know, Apple Music or any one of those, right? If you really scroll yeah. around, there's some great stuff there. And so um, it is. You're right. It's, it's part of the soundtrack. And, le- and let's be real. A lot of the songs just remind you and me probably a lot of just kind of the region we grew up in, right? I mean, that's a big thing. Right. Oh yeah. 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 Well, and, and, you know, there's something to be said too about, uh, you know, he's, I was looking up Zach Braff was, he was born a few years after me, probably a year, a couple of years before you. Um, and so he, he fits pretty firmly in the Gen X, uh, you, you right. know, I think you could call him, you know, Gen X and this movie, he was in his late twenties when he, when he did this movie too. But, um, you know, I, and we've talked about this before too. I, I think the the most believable stories are the ones that connect to the 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 places in our lives or the experiences in our lives where we really are like, this is believable because I've experienced this before. Like this is something that I've I've experienced. And and I you know just the premise of going back to your hometown. And meeting the characters that that Andrew meets, um, uh, Zach's character in the movie is Andrew, um, and the the people that he meets. I mean, any of anyone who has attended a high school or college reunion can attest to the fact that you run into all kinds of characters uh, when you do that. And if you go back to your hometown and hang out at some of the watering holes or whatever it is, um, you encounter those people who are just like, especially um, uh, Peter Sarsgaard's character in here, you know, that mm-hmm. guy's like, yeah, right. wh- what, are you, what are you doing now? Like, what's going on? I, I, I heard that you, you know, <laughs> went crazy or whatever. <laughs> um, right. So I, yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, especially well with you being in Canada, it's probably even harder for you to um, to get back to to your hometown. You grew up in Milford, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we actually we went more more often than you would think, but man, it's been two years since I've even almost two years since I've been able to cross the border, and I'm I'm biting at the bit here because it's going to open okay. up soon. But yeah. Uh, you, you know, I agree. The thing about the characters is they're all pretty... Um, I, I, I can see either myself and some or people I know, like that guy on the corner or the, the, the weirdo guy you know in the in the heart. One of my favorite characters is the, the guy he runs into in the hardware store. 
Is that Kenny? Oh, is that the one who's the cop? No, no, no. It's not Kenny. No. Uh, yeah, I know. But who he's kind of like, hey, about. large. He's like, hey, large man. I still, I still say that every once in a while when I'm somewhere and be like, I've got a deal for you. Can you picture it? Like he's trying to pitch him this whole idea, but it's like the way he does it. It's so. It's the townies, right? It's the townies who oh, kind of yeah. never left. Um, they're, right. they're a colorful array of characters, um, even right down to, and, and I know you, you put this in there, um, you, you talked about his friend Kenny becomes a, an officer, you know, a cop because there's nothing else better to do. I mean, his, his, his best, well, his former best friend, Andrew there, you know, it's just kinda, you know, he's got his, his little work operation going on, but he's basically, you know, a stoner, <laughs> right? And, right. And, uh, oh, yeah. And then, but he's got a really big heart. Um, I think an important part of the story is that relationship. But also, he meets obviously Sam, played by Natalie Portman, who I think this is one of my. She's got a lot of great roles I love, and they're usually outside of the pocket like this. Um, yeah. But I think that it's one of my favorites because she's the every girl in that, and mm-hmm. like you know, really, really quirky. And what draws him to her is her like her life is interesting to him but to her it's really just mundane and ordinary and you know she has health complications and you know what i mean like oh yeah 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 well and and uh when he goes back home he meets her and he encounters all his townie friends and stuff and i I, like one of the big themes about uh, of this film i think is the idea of like home and what makes something home I, i um I mean, I'm a big Billy Joel fan. I, like, I I immediately think about what Billy Joel said in regards to like that song, "You're My Home," right? Like, anywhere right. I go, like if you're there, then that's home. And so, mm-hmm. you know that that idea of like is home about a space? Is home like a geographical space or place? Is it home about the people? Is home about like mm. what? I mean, it, I don't know. What What are your thoughts about that, Joel? Well, we live in a transient culture now, right? And um, a lot of us move away because of work opportunities or, uh, you know, the ability to own a a home, a physical home where it may be impossible in certain regions, right? And so um, you're absolutely right. But I think as we get older and, you know, you start to have your own nucleus of a family, you know, home is what you make it, right? So where you are, um, whether you're physically in a place or not. But but I will say... uh, even going home over all the years, even when I lived down south, I didn't go as much when I lived in Atlanta. But I would say, since we've been up here, one of the best things has been New England is so accessible. Um, it's really felt like home again. And mm-hmm. it, we've loved it over the last eight years. And, and especially our cousins in Boston. And we've gotten to real close with them. And, you know, they're coming up here as soon as a couple of weeks. They're like booking three days even just to come up you know it's it's a a seven hour trip but they're they're like we got to come see you so Mm. um to to us when it was my 15 year reunion uh was just a few years ago um i think it was probably 2016 when we went down char and i had an absolute blast and i had stayed in touch with a lot of people but that was when we really 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 connected again and then and mm-hmm. then uh, a number of us have made it a point like at least once or twice a year to get together and mm-hmm. we come down and everybody gets together my 40th birthday was like two years later or whatever or the next year or whatever in charlotte planned this big shebang at one of our friends houses there and you know i show up and there's like 50 people there 
That's and you awesome. know, people I've known for my whole life, and it was the best. And they still talk about it. it's just really fun. Like we had great pizzas. Yeah. Char had like I just want good pizza from that area, and like we had it was just great. Yeah. And we stayed at friends yeah. of ours, and 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 so that feels like home, even though my family is not there anymore. Okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So, yeah, yeah. interestingly enough, his character, um, what's Zach Braff's character? Uh, it's Largeman. Yeah. yeah. Largeman. Um, Andrew Largeman. Yep. Yeah. Andrew. So, so Andrew goes, you know, he's leaving to find a career and to find a life and be in acting. And, you know, a lot of, like a lot of people do and go to the West Coast and get out of, you know, the West Coast is so different from the East Coast and especially Jersey and LA. And, they, they, you know, he's trying to find a life and find meaning and purpose and trying to, to make it. And it takes the death of his mother to bring him back home. And mm-hmm. it does start with that somber tone. And I have to say, even though it's really somber and kind of sets the mood moody, one of the most hysterical things to this day to me is like a bridge over troubled water that his aunt sings in a very New Jersey Jewish accent. Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Like yes. a yeah. bridge over troubled water. <laughs> okay, like, dude, it it hits the backdrop of this really sad occasion. Yeah, he's he's stone faced because he has an issue with kind of expressing his emotions, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's against the backdrop of her singing in that just crazy where any of us if we were there we would be trying so hard not to laugh right right and so there's that humor in it and i think that that grounds it though because we all have family members who are you know endearing but we have quirky people in our families too right oh my gosh yeah oh totally well and that's i think the other piece of it too is you know i I mean one of the things that i wrote down is everyone's family is weird right i I mean and and if if you if you try to play off your family as not being weird, you're just lying. I'm not going to believe you for yeah, one 100%, second, dude. I mean, so <laughs> no I, it, I, yeah, it's funny because I, I mean, I'm in this really weird period, uh, like rewatching this film on the like on the brink of the actually 10 year anniversary of my my own mom's death. So it was weird watching this film knowing that Zach Braff's going to his mother's funeral, me kind of coming back into that like grieving place again. But what's even crazier is I, I said to my wife, Carrie, the other day, I said, hey, we're, we're heading up to see family um, next week. And the day that we're doing, it's actually the anniversary of my mom's death. And we're going to go mm. to my hometown for the first time in years. Wow. So, wow. and I don't, I like just to show my kids around some of, uh, kind of my haunts and stuff so it's just really funny to me that like the timing of of watching this film this idea of home and 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 I like I have no emotional ties from here from like where I sit to my hometown but I guarantee you that the minute that I set foot there again all the feels come back and all these memories come rushing in and you think about people you think about uh, experiences you think about all these things and that that to me mm. is just the po- the power of place um, it's it's just so incredible because it can draw you in and um, so you talk about cure if you curate a moment 
Um, and I think that going back to the musical part of it, it, like thinking about going to a space, having the right music in the right setting in the right place with the right people, all of a sudden it's this collision. And sometimes it's beautiful. Sometimes it's tragic and, and sad. Sometimes it's, um, you know, just a mix of emotions that when they all collide, this idea of home and this idea of family, it, it just, yeah, it's this, I'd call it a beautiful collision if that's, you know, if I can use that phrase. But um, when you see it all collide together and, um, yeah, I, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm processing this myself too. Of like, what's this gonna feel like to show my kids where I went to middle school? And my middle school is actually the only school that I went to in my hometown that's still standing because they tore down my elementary wow. school, they rebuilt it. They tore down my high school, rebuilt it. So the middle school that I went to is the only thing <laughs> left standing there so that you can um, say that, i was actually in that building <laughs> right 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 yeah yeah, yeah. that yeah, in my I, my childhood house but yeah yeah well my childhood house looks insane so i hate to go by it because immediately as soon as this lady kind of moved into it she overgrew this crazy garden in the front and like painted the house all weird and it's just been a mess like a disaster since we left my parents were pretty simple with the house but it was always like neat and kept and the neighbors have hated this person who moved in for years they're always like when are you coming back but um but the thing is is i'll go through the neighborhood sometimes everything seems tiny to me everything seems Mm -hmm. small or tiny or like you know and some people are still there i'm in the back of my head it's like comforting but then i'm also like you're still here so you know um i i think that one thing for me when i go back to connecticut is always the soundtrack is a big point mm-hmm. i actually purposely turn on the radio because the stations it's like well i just went through time warp if it's like wplr or like even weeby 108 whatever it is like it comes on and i'm like this is such connecticut you know but it's like a great soundtrack it always feels like kind of like a good time you know 80s 90s whatever right you're driving around you're getting that whole feel and and the thing is is it's always there like when you come back it's like that smell that just triggers something right and they and they mm-hmm. say that music is an important soundtrack to the life to our lives and so i think that there's always going to be that connection but with these characters in the story um we meet them when they're all in different places so we've got you know we've got a guy who's kind of just working a job because there's nothing else to do we've got his friend who's working a job because you know he's just trying to make some money so he can i don't know just basically make it along and you know he's kind of never grown up out of kind of maybe high school mode but there's also this wisdom to him it's peter sarsgaard's character there's this wisdom to him yeah that he's able to see where to him largeman went off and you know has had this experience and is Mm -hmm. left and he's coming back moping like i don't know what to do with my life and i don't know about you but a lot of times that that has happened where either I've thought that or people have thought that because, you know, it's like people get envious if you've gone off and done something or if you've had experiences or maybe people are, you know, can judge you pretty harshly if it hasn't been everything it's cracked up to be and you're still trying to figure out what to do. And I think there's a lesson in there for that, um, yeah. but that you can also learn a lot of perspective right where you are but that you also have perspective and experiences where you go. And then you have Natalie Portman's character, Sam, who, you know, has been debilitated by um, her health issues, her seizures. And, and she 
you know, basically, I think the quote you put in there, how much of her life has been determined by a small piece of plastic, right? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. controlled her destiny to that point where she hasn't really tried to spread her wings. And so mm-hmm. two things happen. They, they both, when they connect together, they both help each other spread their wings, but they're coming from two totally different places where they never would have thought they would intertwine. In other words, what he was looking for was at home. Yeah. The physical location of home was there, right? Well, yeah. Well, isn't that always the way, too? I, 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 in my own life, when I think about how, you know, sometimes we go off on these journeys or we think we need to create some large journey to find meaning and purpose and answers when in reality the answer that we've been looking for was right in front of us right and so yeah absolutely um, yeah yeah and i i think that's yeah that's um you know you you mentioned the quote that um that that andrew largeman zach brass character says because ultimately his his mother who passed away and this is a spoiler alert right his mother who passed away passed away in the bathtub she was a quadriplegic and the story of her how she got that way that Zach Braff gets to in the movie is like tragic because when he was Mm. nine years old he innocently pushed his mom um, because she was always depressed she was always kind of bringing that negative space with her And it just so happened that the door of the dishwasher was open because there was a a piece in it, a little plastic piece that was broken. She trips, breaks her neck on the counter, and is paralyzed for the rest of her life. And over and over again... I think I... I think I misnamed the person. I meant I meant Andrew on that one when I was was yapping earlier. So continue. No, it's... Well, anyway, yeah. So just... You know, that one moment at the age of nine ends up sending him on a trajectory. His dad's a psychologist, right? And he, his dad, like, it seems like his dad blames him for what's happened to to his mother, even now that his mother's gone. And, like, there's kind of a a father-son thing that happens there in the conversation about that. But, um, but you know this idea of of hanging on to to these moments of mistake or accident in our lives that have the potential of defining us for the rest of his life and here he is in his late 20s his father is still blaming him for something that happened nearly 20 years before and um you know, that's I, I I encounter that a lot too in people that I talk to, that they they will or other people will hold on to something tragic. Yes, it may be, but um, but they hold on to these things in their lives that um, that end up creating a different trajectory that leads them in a really dark place which is kind of where he is and and now he's at a place where because his dad dad put him on you know um, medication when he was nine he's been on it for 20 years and just the fact that he shows up to his mother's funeral and he doesn't really share any emotion gives us that picture of a guy who has forgotten how to feel or has been rendered 
unable to feel because of the drugs and medication that he's been on. You know, yeah, and I, w- I would even say the the trauma, the emotional scarring. I mean, there's a lot of that. Um, you know, interestingly enough, his father is a psychologist, and isn't this true in real life? I mean, he's the one who's actually immature in this and has probably a lot of things he hasn't dealt with that he needs to because no matter what happens in life and especially with your children i mean you know barring that they're not these insane criminals like it's it 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 is you know it's a tragedy it's an accident it's awful it's heartbreaking all those things but you don't leave your kid you don't, right. you don't put all the onus and the blame. And there are people like that. There are parents like that. And often it's not even as significant a thing as that. And they harbor and they hold and they keep a ledger. I, yeah. Anyway, listen, I could talk to you story after story about some of those kinds of things. And it's it's true. It's like, a le- like how can you? I, I've had conversations with parents, let's say, who have turned around and told their kid, you know, when they're an adult, by the way, um, you know, that's one more thing you owe me. I've, I've been keeping a ledger for years, basically. I've been keeping a list. And yet they call themselves Christians. And it's like, um, <laughs> are you supposed to keep a ledger? It's one thing if it's like, hey, this is one thing I specifically gave you to borrow. And, you know, eventually over time, you're going to pay this back. You know, th- those are instances versus, okay, every time I got you clothes when you were a kid. I mean, John, I don't know about you, but we'd be kind of like millionaires by now with our children if it was, you know, keeping tabs. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. One, yeah. Starting with diapers. Like, you yeah. Know, and, and it's just, it sounds insane, but there are people like this and the, the mm-hmm. scarring that does to their children. And, and we wonder why people are walking around not only needing to be medicated, but in a state of um, a state of this place where they can't feel and experience emotion because there's not the security there that they are loved. Actually, there's a there's a there's a, almost an over they're getting two conflicting messages. This may be a type of person who's getting one message from their home, which is you need to earn everything you get from me here. And then there's an extreme message the other way, which is you can do anything. You're the best ever. You know what I mean? Like there's those Mm -hmm. two extremes. And so what happens is they're both dealing in um, really negative realities and they're extremely damaging. And if you have a child who has grows into an adult who's had both of those, then they're confused all the time because they can never please anybody enough and get it right. And they can't seem to find their niche in what they are successful in or able to do. Instead, we should be walking our, you know, our, our children through the idea that, Hey, life is going to be difficult. You may make mistakes, but no matter what uh, I, you know, I will love you. I'll walk with you and it's okay. As long as you can, I've told my boys, like what makes a real man is being able to, admit the wrong that they've done own mm-hmm. it yep and then move forward yeah right yeah. like like because you're gonna yeah. mess up you're it's yeah. it's false if you think you're not gonna make mistakes you right. know but don't oh give up gosh. right so yeah uh dude yeah i one of the as you were talking one of the things that i was reminded of a couple after my my dad's mom died years ago going through her stuff my dad ends up finding this little bible that she had and in the back of the bible he opened it up and in the cover like a little portion of it was ripped and there was a little note by the rip that said ripped by jonathan and it had the date on it 
I mean, my grandmother was Italian through and through. And I, I mean, I tell people all the time, there is no one who can hold a grudge like an Italian woman. I mean, and so like she held a grudge like it was an Olympic event. I mean, so um, anyway, I, I looked at the date on there and I was literally like two years old when I ripped this Bible. But it was significant enough for her to have written it down in her Bible and to have a record of it. And I'm like, like for years, I wondered because in the of the Bible way- too. Oh, yeah. I mean, tell me about the irony there, right? But so, like, for years, I wondered why, like, this woman, she just, it didn't seem like she ever liked me or I could ever measure up. I mean, I was the youngest of her five grandsons. Um, And then I found that, and I was like, the light bulb went off, and I'm like, oh, it makes perfect sense to me. Now, I ripped her, I ripped her freaking Bible, and so that's why she held a grudge. But, like, all that you were just saying, the mixed message messages that we when we put so much blame on kids or or we tell them like they need to earn love or you know they need to pay for things I mean oh my gosh just going back to that whole weirdness of family again everyone's family dynamics are weird and everyone's got different values in their family and then you put marriage together in that and you bring two families together with different values and and um all these other things it's like this collision again of wow okay um well making uh, making a family work in a relationship is hard anyway and this is why i think you and i would be on the same page with this this is why speaking in our faith in as christians like this it's important that that a couple is equally yoked as they can be they're they're on the same page you know i'm about mm-hmm. to do a wedding actually in a couple of weeks and i've walked a couple through um, being on even walking plane, and I've been able to at least share enough experience and say, listen, I have a really good marriage and it is not easy. And there are yeah. times I just want to throw in the towel and, sh- you know, Shars wanted to throw in the towel, I'm sure. And, but you keep moving forward and we keep moving our friendship forward. And, and that's how it's not this rosy Facebook relationship where everything's perfect. It's actually, it sucks sometimes. Like it's, it's right. hard. And, but, but it's also one it's it's remained one of those things that's that's totally worth fighting for and i know i'm speaking to the choir here but it's it's that thing that that it takes work if something's valuable it's going to take work right but but speaking of this this is why we have to as much as possible get on the same page together as we start mm-hmm. our own family there are great things we bring in from our families but we have to move forward in our own traditions and and rooted in the gospel like rooted in what god's word says because that's that's the equalizer like it should be because i can have a million theories she can have a million theories this is how you raise kids this is how you discipline all that stuff and there are things that are kind of black and white but there's all this stuff in the middle that you have to sift through and and some of it is just really not good so what's the equalizer there and so I just talked to a couple the other day. Um, uh, you know, grandparents reach out to me because they thought that something had happened on the creative team or something like that. And I, I just was oblivious because I talk with this couple all the time and I just had no mm-hmm. idea. And uh, so the girl wrote to me and she said, listen, I'm sorry you got sucked into the middle of this. It has nothing to do with anybody at church. I'm not upset with anyone. She just said, my husband and I are in the middle of, you know, I grew up in this church and he grew up in a different church and it's you know down the road or across town and we're trying to decide where we fit in best and mm. she said this has been really hard for me because i love it here but i also want to be with my husband and we have some friends there and that kind of thing and my response to her was first of all listen 
I love you guys no matter what. And, you know, you know that we just want to release you to be used and, and to grow. And I said, and maybe this is a season and, and maybe it's it's a permanent season. But I said, the most important thing out of all this, you know, 1000%, I would like you to be here and serving here. But here's the deal. You and your husband have to be on the same page and build your life together. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I told her, I said, you know, for this reason, a man shall leave his family, right? Like you guys have to do what's best and be on the same page yeah, and live your life that way. And that yeah. was my, and I said, this will always be home. So don't be scared of that, but you guys got to be on the same page together. And if it's causing disharmony, if this kind of thing is causing disharmony, we need to unify, right? Cause you guys, can, yeah. your, your relationship's the most important part. Get on the yeah. same page. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and and just to be able to give people permission in stuff like that, Joel, I think is so key. And, I, you know, we were talking before about kids and when they make up, you talked about Andrew's thing. Like when we give people permission to be able to journey into things like that and, and instead of, yeah, instead of the blame game or instead of making them feel guilty or whatever, I mean, what you did for, for that couple, I think, is so beautiful because you said, hey, like the connection is still going to stay there. We're still going to have the same feelings and stuff. It's just it, you know, it's just going to happen in a different kind of way. And I, right. I wonder, like, what would what would it have been like in a situation with Andrew in this film if his dad had had that same grace and said hey you know what like you messed up but like we're in this together how can we keep journeying together i'm not going to try to fix you i'm not going to try to medicate you i'm not going to send you off to you know the school that you know you went to i'm gonna i'm just gonna walk with you in it but i i think the messiness of situations like that and the the you know, we can't control anything other than ourselves. And so I, I feel like so much conflict in life is caused when we decide that we want to start controlling somebody else. And that's what Zach, Zach Brass character, Andrew, his dad is trying to do to him. He's basically trying to control him. And, um, and you know, the way that you are acting with that family in your church is so different, unfortunately, than what I feel like so many other pastors do when they're like, oh, I just want to control you or, you know, make you feel bad because you're going to choose something other than me. And we make it personal rather than, yeah, we're being gracious and graceful in our in our approach towards things. Yeah, everything you said is just dead on, and and I think it's all has to do with perspective. In in a parental sense, it's the perspective of okay, let me see, am I, am I looking at this in the one mile view or the high above, you know, twenty mile view, right? Like the big picture here. Um, there's going to be periods of grief. There's going to be sadness for his father. There's going to be sadness. What what happened here was the dad, the, the, um, like when the mother first broke her neck and was paralyzed i'm sure there was never a period it was all about how it affected him him and his wife and there was no thought of okay well this affects my kid too like and as a psychologist like shame on you but this is the kind of stuff that happens right like my son i need to be a parent to my son you Mm -hmm. know what i mean as much as i'm grieving and, and maybe even angry like i need to be his parent like you know what i mean and 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 so what I love about the characters in this town, the people, though, 
is they they offer this sense of our lives are not perfect either but we've been able to find things in simplicity that bring joy mm-hmm. and i think a lot of times we're looking for things that make us happy or bring joy that are really complex and get us into a lot of trouble or a lot of debt or whatever it may be and a lot of times it's about that contentment that you find and how important again this has been the theme every week john how important relationships in your life are i just mm-hmm. think that we have to take a moment to say that we are not meant to live as an island unto ourselves there's times yep. to get away we need yep. solitude but we're meant to live in community and yep. i think that that's what the church is supposed to be about and certainly that's why we need friends and family around us and man Gosh. oftentimes yep. we have these friends family relationships from the most crazy places and and in that short four days or whatever yeah with sam like his life has totally changed you know oh, what yeah. i mean and, and yeah. i think vice versa really right? oh yeah yeah. Well, and what you said about relationships, Joel, I think is so key too, because, uh, and I'm finding this in parenting, is that we often think that we know what's best for not just our kids, but anybody. And then we project onto other people what we think is best for us rather than what's best for them. And I think that's what right. that's what Andrew's dad does to him. He says, okay, well, I think this is what's going to be best. And, and I'm not saying you let the kids run the roost and whatever, but there have been some decisions no, right. we've we've made as a family recently that that I saw a huge difference in my 12 year old by including him in the decision making process instead of just saying instead of just saying hey um, we're just going to make this decision for you you know as kids start coming into their own and finding their own personality you say to them hey like let's do this together and I think it it and that's a hard thing to do. I, I mean, I don't think that, I, I mean, I look back and I say that like there were decisions that were made for me far into my high school years, I think, that I mm. would have loved wow. to have been part of the, at least the conversation on, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, sometimes the, the horse is out of the gate and you can't do anything about it. And you just got to, you know, suck it up, buttercup. But, I mean, um, gosh, if we can make a difference with our own kids and say, hey, like, it, it kind of sucked because I didn't have this opportunity or I wasn't included in the decision-making process, but we want to do what we can to let you get there. And, and that's, you know, one of the things that really, really struck me um, towards the end of this movie when they, they go to that infinite abyss and they they talk to the guy who's been the caretaker of this sinkhole or this quarry and um, and um, he says to you know, Andrew says to the guy hey good luck exploring the infinite abyss I thought to myself wow you know it's it seems like a throwaway line but it's so I just feel like it's a big kind of hey this is what the rest of my life is about it's exploring this infinite abyss and for Andrew's dad who has this certainty of science and being a psychologist and and how to solve and fix people it's a really scary prospect for someone like that to be told hey good luck exploring the infinite abyss because there's so much uncertainty there there's so much of the unknown there Um, It's completely out of their control. 
And to have to encounter that and actually embrace the journey into that infinite abyss is really hard for the people who like control and like fixing and and solving things. Which is, I mean, often how we're wired, right? And and to some degree, we're a bit more controlling than others. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, Charlotte would say straight up that she is a planner. She likes to have a plan. She wants to know what's coming. And it really drives her crazy when something really veers off course. She can take a little bit of it, right? But it, 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 she said time and time again, like uh, her big, her biggest thing is, is like if you say the service is going to be ten to eleven, don't go to eleven thirty or say it's okay. We hang around for another twenty minutes, right? It drives her nuts. However, yep. if you just say, hey, listen, the service is going to go from you know ten to ten fifteen or eleven fifteen, and you, you want to go a little longer, then make that plan to go longer, right? Like there are exceptions. Mm. Something yep. really happens, or you got to have a quick meeting. But, um, and, and I'm using that as an example, but this whole process with the building process, I just realized this is really not for her. Like, I think <laughs> she'll never want to do it again. Yeah. And um, I can flow with it a bit more. If we didn't have the time crunch with the mortgage port, like that we had to do with the bank, then it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like, we could make it work. But knowing we had these parameters we had to meet it drove her crazy and the fact yeah. that nothing was moving nothing was moving nothing was moving because that's how it is with that anyway right it's fickle it's done or it's not done stuff's up stuff's not working but it's totally not her bag it's not her right. bag baby so oh, like yeah, you know baby. i think that uh I, I think you know for me i had to make the call and and this is one of those okay suck it up buttercups like you're referring to for the family we had to look at stuff. We we knew we found what we wanted, and we jumped on it. And the big thing is, is we really wanted to keep the kids in town and around their friends and all that. They're going to stay at their same schools because we're going to make that happen. But nice. we really wanted to do that. But the problem is, I mean, there's, there's just nothing. So you have to do what you got to do, and you're not going to put your family on the streets. And, you know, we found a great place in a great place. And it's yeah. like, you know what, man? We're just we're going to make it roll because the reality is they're so used to living in a smaller community. You know how it is for you. Like, think about just getting into the city yeah. from where you are. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a trip. Right. And even yeah. though you're outside the outskirts, it, it, it's it's a trip to get there. So um, they just have to remember that, you know, sometimes there's a commute. Now, fortunately yeah. for us, there's no traffic, so <laughs> it's yeah. not that big of a deal. Right, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, you got to make the you got to make those decisions and like pull it and play it right. But other times, you try to include them like in the process. What's you know, which room would you prefer? What what are you looking for in this? What would you like? Right, and uh, you're right. It is important to start to include them as as many adults in your family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and Joel, I think what you hit on there too, this idea of Again, embracing, like saying, hey, what are our values? What's most important here? And and how do we compromise to get the things that we feel like we need? And I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, it talked about marriage earlier, too, and how it's one of the, you know, most, most rewarding, yet sometimes most excruciating journeys, I think, just because of who we're becoming in the process. I mean, anytime we're in relationship with other people, yeah. there's going to be that becoming in that process. And so, I, you know, just the idea of giving each other the freedom to be able to engage in things and to say, hey, like... 
we're going to need to compromise in this because you're not going to get, I mean, you probably have this experience with your kids, but I've, I've got like my kids, you know, some of my kids are, are perfectly fine and change and compromise others. They're like, you know, it, it's got to be all of these or it's got to be nothing. And, and right, I mean, right. if, if we don't figure out how to compromise, yeah, we're done. And I, and that's, know, a, and that's the thing you got to take them through, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what Andrew says to his father again, which I, I, it was a sweet moment the night before Andrew's leaving to, to go, well, he thought he was leaving to go back to LA and he reminds his father that he had always said, Hey, I want, I want you to be happy. You know, I want you to get the things that you want. And Andrew looks at his dad. He says, for me, what I want more than anything in the world is for it to be okay with you for me to feel something again, even if it's pain. And, oh, man, you know, as a father, your, your kid approaches you and they say that to you. Uh, that's got to be like one of the most gut-wrenching things in life because at the heart of every single parent, I think, any, any, every single healthy parent, I'd say, uh, is that we always want to keep our kids from experiencing pain. We always want to protect Absolutely. our kids. And so, you know, right. to have your kid come to you and say, hey, it's okay for me to experience pain. Like, I just want to feel something again. And if it's pain, so be it. Um, right. I, I, You need to be okay, okay with me. And I, you know, I mean, I've got to, both of us have kids who are getting ready to go into high school, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. as they come into their own, in their own journey, um, that is just got to be one of the hardest parts of parenting is letting your kids be able to make mistakes and make decisions that are going to lead to pain for them and being okay with that. Because ultimately we want, yeah, we want to protect them. We want to keep them in that place called home and we don't, and we want to put a Teflon, Teflon, uh, you know, coating around them so that everything bounces off or doesn't stick. I mean, and, and that's a hard, hard, place to be i think it's a hard it's a hard dance to not be too overly protective and and surrounding them because you got to release them right and right. the idea of releasing is is so important and you know yeah uh, um elias is there's things he's doing that's just um you know blowing my mind he's wanting to serve he's he's taking over the the classes for the kids at church and and is really taking it seriously and i'm just like you know i watch him go and i'm like wow you know what i mean but then the other part is is there's still sometimes you know, the knucklehead budding teenager, but there's this really great heart. And so there's some things he's working on now and some decisions and relationships. And I, I, uh, you know, when I was talking with, with Shar, where, you know, there's always the concern of different things, but at the same time I was just sharing, you know, he's still, he's still a boy. Mm -hmm. Like there's this, this man body dude who's, you know, <laughs> becoming, yeah. but there's still, it's still a boy inside. Like there's the, there's the innocence and we have to, we have to walk with him, you know, you got to cut the lines at the tether. The biggest thing I've been reiterating, John, um, I think it, it can flow when you're in a, uh, when you come from a family, not that's perfect, but when you come from a family that's given you a good security, and I do thank God mm -hmm. for that, I did have that. Um, yeah. 
My parents had great trust with me and I kept that trust. And so uh, the biggest thing I've told them over and over again is, listen, you have our trust until you break it. Now, Mm. you're going to make mistakes. There's things you're going to do. But it's so important that you come to me and and talk about this. I don't want it to be weird, awkward. Like there's always going to be this, you know, my dad's whatever, a boomer and I'm a teenager or whatever. But I said, you need to, you need to know that you can come to me, that these are things that you can talk about and I'm not going to shame you about it. You know what I mean? And so, but the truth part, like as much as possible, because once you break that, it, it takes a really long time to get it back. So don't, if, yeah. if at all possible, don't do that because mom and I want to actually give you freedom, mm-hmm. but we have to be able to trust you. Right. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that message, you know, sinks in and it will affect all three of them differently. The one I'm most worried about is my third. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so as far as that, right. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, yeah, John, so great stuff from the story. Uh, I do love how it does resolve uh, that he does find, he starts to find a place of peace. And um, I think that, again, it speaks how their relationships to one another were needed and they didn't even realize it, right? They didn't know what they were missing and they weren't really necessarily looking for that, but uh, how a lot of times the path to healing can come from an unexpected place. Right? Oh, that, yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's a reminder to all of us too, that even in the most mundane of places, like we can learn things, we can find, you know, truth. I mean, just to what, to what you're saying is, you know, they go in full circle again. Like we, sometimes we don't have to look as far for the things that we really need as we we think we do and they may actually be closer to us than we had originally thought they would be so and in the and in the same token if he hadn't stepped out and taken a chance and gone he may not have come back full circle and then realized okay you know what the grass isn't always greener or, you know, the experiences are important. So I don't want to discourage anybody from taking a risk or, you know, jumping off the ledge there and going for it. But a lot of mm-hmm. times, um, j- just what I would encourage anybody who's listening is don't live with the mentality of it's always going to be better when I do something new or something different, because that's not necessarily the truth. But all the experiences matter. They help yeah. create a healthy perspective. And you learn from every risk and chance that you take, honestly. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Well, I I, I think next time um, we are going to look at, I would call it Twin Brothers of Different Mothers, (laughs) Uh, this movie uh, and Elizabethtown. and which is Cameron Crowe's film. Um, very similar movies as far as people going back to, like someone going back after a tragedy or a death for a funeral and then this coming of age thing again. So um, we'll mm-hmm. look forward to, to talking um, next time about Elizabethtown. I uh, hope that, you know, you've gotten something out of our conversation about Garden State. And, um, you know, as we've mentioned before, too, if you have any comments or questions, you can send emails to us at podcastbetweentheframes at gmail.com. So we'd love to, nice. to hear from you guys. Um, yeah, it'd be you, great to it'd be great to have that dialogue and, and let us know what you're thinking. And 
and uh, let us know uh, if you like what we're finding between the frames, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Joel, for, as always, a good conversation. And uh, we hope that you will join us again next time uh, to find out what's lurking between the frames. We'll see ya. Thanks for listening to Between the Frames with John and Joel. If you like what you've heard today, please remember to click subscribe and give a share and a follow on social media. Each episode will look to dive into the deeper meanings behind movies, music, and culture as it relates to life and faith. Thanks for listening and see you next time.